Hey there, Salt World. This is Matt Hunsaker. We've got a great show for you today. We all love to use our streaming services, but today we discuss why those who run the tax function at these companies may be pulling out their hair. Last month, my credit card information got compromised, so they had to change my number. Isn't that the worst? I don't care so much about the data breach as I do the hassle of having to log into about 200 different websites to change my billing info. But on the bright side, as part of this little exercise, I was able to do an audit of just how many streaming services we have accumulated as a family. We are up to 12. I guess that isn't too bad considering that we haven't had TV for about a decade now. Well, that's not entirely true. Every once in a while, if we need to watch something live, I'll pull out the old antenna. And it's always kind of funny when I do that and we're watching live TV to see the younger kids completely bewildered trying to figure out how the commercial fits into the plot because they really have no concept of commercials since they've been streaming for most of their lives. This year, I've been inundated more so than usual with streaming service projects. I usually pull in Dave Ebersol, an associate in our Columbus office, to help out. He's a real superstar. And I thought it would be nice to have you hear his perspective. So here's our discussion. Hey, Dave. Thanks for hopping on the show today. How are things going in Ohio? Things are good, Matt. Thanks for asking. You know, I'm actually, uh, you know, I practice out of Columbus, but I'm uh, originally from Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns are four and one. So this is this is big news. Um, where I come from, they actually haven't been four and one since 1994, um, when there was an up-and-coming coach named Bill Belichick coaching the team. So, you know, just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any more bizarre, here we are. Yeah, the the Browns are four and one, and and uh, the Cowboys have lost their quarterback. So, fates are going in different directions on the yeah. NFL scene. That's for sure. Well, hey, you and I have worked together on what I would consider some pretty monumental streaming services projects, you know, from the sales tax perspective over this last year or so. And it doesn't seem like the interest on this subject is really slowing down among our clients. So I thought that we could share some of our high level insights and some of the key issues that are affecting people in the streaming space. And maybe even more importantly, those who may not realize that they are, in fact, in the streaming space. So why don't we start off by talking about why states are focusing on streaming services? What are your thoughts? You know, there's a couple ways to think about that. And one of them is that, you know, with the coronavirus pandemic and shortfalls in state budgets because of, you know, decreased tax revenue from decreased uh, economic activity, um, and then just other 
you know, state budget issues that predated the pandemic, you know, states are looking for tax revenue. And so one way to deal with that is to expand the tax base into other products and services subject to the tax. So that's, you know, one reason that they might be looking to tax streaming services. You know, the sales taxes started popping up in the United States in the 1930s during the Great Depression when we had much more of a manufacturing economy, right? And so the tax was one that was levied on retail sales of tangible personal property. You know, and over time, we've seen the economy, you know, grow into, you know, our economy grow into much more of a service-based economy. And we've seen the sales tax kind of adopt other services, not just the tangible personal property is subject to the tax. We have things now like telecommunication services, uh, computer services, various types of automated services. And so the reason I mentioned that is because we're, we're kind of into a third category now. We're kind of into digital products, right? And so that's not necessarily going to fit into your tangible personal property or your services category. We're in this digital age. So this is all a, a long-winded way to say that I think we're seeing streaming services taxed from the state perspective as a way to protect their tax base um, as technology is changing, as consumer tastes are, and, and consumer spending habits are changing. Yeah, absolutely. The, the states are definitely experiencing some potentially record-breaking revenue shortfalls and are looking around for ways to get new revenue. And frankly, uh, their tax codes are set up for an economy that existed at the time of our grandparents. So I, I see this as a really a modernization move to take things that used to be in the tax base that, that people aren't buying anymore and to find their digital substitutes and to impose tax on them. Sure. Taxing streaming services, I found, has been problematic for a lot of states, just simply for that same reason, because their sales tax laws are set up kind of for the, the old school brick and mortar sales of physical goods. So what are some of the legislative and administrative strategies that you've seen states take to enable them to start taxing streaming services? Well, you know, we've seen a, a quite a few different uh, shapes and sizes of these taxes on streaming services. Um, and that's one of the big issues we're talking about is just, you know, whether a certain product is, is taxable or not. And so, you know, one method that is probably the most sound is for the legislature in any given state to create a third category of uh, items that are subject to the tax. You have your tangible personal property, you have your services, and now you've got digital products, right? And then kind of working within that category of digital products to say, you know, streaming is or is not taxable along with those other types of digital items. And that's the method that we've seen the um, streamlined sales and, and use tax ag agreement states start to roll out. Now, it has by no means been completely uniform because if you think about something like streaming video, you've got, you know, even that comes in, in different varieties. You have, you know, maybe it's a download, maybe it's a streaming within streaming, maybe it's permanent use, maybe it's a rental, you know, and there are different variants on this streamlined sales and use tax agreement uh, language that states have adopted or gone off on their own using. And so working through that can be, one thing to look at. Uh, another route that states have taken is just to kind of force fit, you know, this new movement into to streaming services and into the definition of tangible personal property. You know, and that might be done 
legislatively. It might be done administratively. It might be a Department of Taxation or Revenue looking at it and just trying to force fit streaming services into tangible personal property. They might um, take a third approach to, you know, having a taxable service such as television service or something like that, and then try to fit this in, into that box. And and so these are different routes. And I think what you're going to see is when you look state to state, you're going to see a lot of different formats of these taxes. And that can be a little bit difficult to sort through when streaming is or is not taxable. Yeah. And I think that you and I in our projects have found that it works a lot better. I think that first category you talked about where you actually have a definition of a digital good that is a little closer to specifically capturing the realities of how digital goods work and trying to shoehorn these streaming services into rules that are built around an infrastructure of taxing tangible personal property could become quite problematic. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's get to the scope of where we're at in the, the wave of taxing digital streaming. How many states are, are taxing digital streaming in some form? Well, so at last check, we had 22 plus the plus D.C., the District of Columbia. But, you know, that that's in flux. <laughs> Things are changing, you know, especially during the pandemic with technology, technological changes accelerating and states taking a harder look at their budget and trying to figure out what Congress is going to do. Um, as far as um, providing aid to the states or not, you know, that's been going on for a long time. You know, I think we can definitely expect more changes to come in this area. And, and you know, like we say, that might be a state legislature acting. That might be a administrative guidance from the Department of Taxation or Revenue. Yeah, and I really have to caution people to get out of the mindset of saying 22 plus D.C., because as you and I know, I mean, I think the last major project that we worked on, one or two states flipped just in the course of, of doing our research. Yep. And it's not always clear which streaming services are being taxed. And so to give a bright line about which states do tax streaming services can be a little bit dangerous. But I think it's fair to say, I think you'd agree that somewhere around half of the states with the sales tax are doing something in you know in terms of taxing digital streaming. Yeah, if I can jump in, I think that there's also a lot uh, of local jurisdictions that are starting to get in on this game. So the the Yeah, the, absolutely. The big example is the city of Chicago and its amusement tax, which by the way is levied at 9% on uh, and that includes entertainment other than streaming video, but including streaming video. And so that that's a, a really high rate tax. And we've seen uh, that tax be upheld following, upheld following litigation. And other, Evanston, Illinois, another city in Illinois, has started to tag along. So, I, so local jurisdictions are something to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that, I mean, local jurisdictions seem to love these kinds of narrow taxes. So I would, I think that the states, following how states kind of probably more uh, methodically work through this issue is probably going to be a little bit easier. But what I think what's going to be really difficult for our clients and others in the streaming space is all of these states who are popping up these various targeted taxes, like the the Evanston tax, for example, if, if I understand it right, only applies to digital streaming to a mobile device. And so if you have this hodgepodge of potentially hundreds of different local jurisdictions with different variations of their amusement tax or whatever 
text that may pass, it really could very quickly become a compliance nightmare. For sure, for sure. Dave, maybe that leads into the next topic. You know, with about half the states, plus or minus, taxing some form of streaming service in a, in a handful of local jurisdictions, and all of them kind of coming at it from different legal angles, what do you think is the path forward to getting some conformity here? Well, you know, I think that one of the things um, that we always talk about when we talk about uniformity in sales taxation is the Streamlined Sales and Use Tax Agreement and, and working through them. And I think they've put out a good start with their model language on specified digital products. And so, you know, a big part of the problem here is just that, you know, as you say, we're trying to work with new technology as applied to old laws. And so the more that we can leverage that language and, and, you know, maybe it's trade groups or different groups like that, bringing this to the attention of legislatures that, you know, Hey, you need to address this because, you know, there's you know, taxpayers out there who you know have potentially a large tax exposure to this just because they don't, not because they don't want to be compliant, but because it's so difficult to be compliant because, you know, their, their business solution, their product doesn't fit into the legal framework that they've put out with the sales tax. Yeah, and I really feel for taxpayers in this position because it's a difficult spot to be in because if you don't collect tax, then you have the states coming after you. And if you do collect tax, then all of a sudden you have plaintiff lawyers and class action suits for over collection coming at you. So, you know, you're on the razor's edge when you're trying to get this thing right. That's right. That's right. And so we start to think a little bit about, okay, so, you know, we are in this situation, you know, like it or not. And what can we do about that uh, from a taxpayer, from a business perspective? And, you know, I, th- I think the first thing is to just, you know, recognize that, you know, there there's an issue, there could be a risk, there could be exposure here. And, you know, sometimes that's an important first step. And then to kind of say, okay, well, can we identify that risk? Can we identify and quantify that exposure? And, you know, what are the the questions that we have when we look at, um, the, the states that that we're operating it in, and and that may not be <laughs> an easy question to ask. You know, one thing that we haven't talked about is that there are sourcing issues with these with these taxes. You know, if 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 Junior goes off to college and he's still using you know mom and dad's streaming video subscription, you know, where's that being used? If people are traveling, if they're on mobile devices, sourcing maybe is identifying the jurisdiction that you're operating in or that um, your customers are, are in may not be the easiest thing. But, you know, presuming that you can do that, look at, you know, whether you have issues with the taxability, you know, in some jurisdictions, it, it might be clear, but in the ones that it's not, what are the risks? And then, you know, thinking about some solutions for that. And that might be that the risk is not material. If it is a, if it is a large risk, then, you know, start thinking about things like private letter rulings that can be an expensive process. It can be a time consuming process, but you know, if it's important enough to the business, that may be a route to take. Another one that I'll suggest is that there more and more now there's uh, tax insurance. So th- this is a, an insurance product that can, you know, take a look at the situation. And as you say, you might be stuck in a position where you've got exposure if you do collect tax or if you don't collect tax. And th- there are people that will, underwrite that risk for you and allow you to approach it that way. So every situation is going to be different. The technology is going to be different, but I think those are some things to keep in mind. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I also think that with the, the potential exposure either to the consumers or to the state, you know, if it's a significant amount of revenue, not only should we be thinking about private letter rulings or perhaps insurance, but just having a legal opinion or memo in the files showing that you've at least done your due diligence. Right. Now, if we could step back just a second, you and I and the people who are listening, we know the big players in the streaming world. I mean, probably a lot of people are listening to this podcast on one or more of them. But I think what people need to be careful of is realizing just how broad the language for, that's attempted to get the streaming services can be and some of the types of businesses that might get swept up into these streaming taxes who really probably wouldn't be expecting it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so if you think about the way, you know, we set this up when we started talking about it, you've got tangible personal property, you've got services, and now you have these digital products. And if, if you've got a state that's trying to force fit these digital products, the streaming video into a tangible personal property classification, and, and you know, and, and they've taken the position that streaming video is tangible property, and you're focused exclusively on that that medium of transfer to make the taxability determination, that can be really problematic when you start thinking about, well, okay, now we're not just talking about a movie, but we're talking about television. We're talking about live instruction, maybe in an educational context. We're talking about pre-recorded instruction in an educational context. We're talking about video conferencing potentially. And you can see how it starts to break down if you're not using an appropriate uh, framework there. So, you know, I think it is important to kind of look at this through a, a new lens that we're not maybe used to looking at sales tax through and identifying, you know, what your product is and if it could be subject to tax, taking into account that, you know, one state or city or another state might not be looking at it the same way you are if they're focused on this, you know, tangible personal property distinction. Yeah, it, it could be tricky where you could have a product that if you deliver it somehow like in person or through some other medium, no one would ever think it's taxable. But suddenly, if there's a streaming element to it, you start to feel a little bit of risk. You know, the states might latch onto that streaming element and say, you know what, now that you're streaming it, we think it's taxable. And th I think this is going to be really a prominent issue in the coming years. Now that with our adaptation to COVID-19, so much stuff that we used to do in person that we took for granted wasn't taxable could potentially become taxable uh, by virtue of some of these broad streaming tax uh, statutes or regulations. That's right. Um, and so you know, the more you can do to identify those things ahead of time and get out in front, I think the better. Yeah, and, and kind of going back to to the, the mitigation side of things, it's so important for tax people to know their business. Your tax advice that you're giving to your business people is really only as good as your understanding of the underlying technology. You and I have experienced this before where we've been working on projects and there's really fundamental questions about how the product works 
and uh, you really have to drill down into understanding the nuances of the of the technology to to really do a fulsome analysis. Mm -hmm. And I would also add too that not to get caught up in the trap of saying, you know what, we did our 50 state or 45 state survey of the taxability of our product and we think we understand how it works because this stuff is changing so so frequently so i would give the advice to just constantly be monitoring monitoring and monitoring what's going on in the streaming world so that you can not be caught unawares when a state has changed its position maybe administratively or has passed a new law that's great advice well, Dave, it's been a, a pleasure working with you on so many of these fun streaming services tax issues. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. I've enjoyed being on. Thanks for listening, guys. If you have any follow-up questions about taxation of streaming services, feel free to drop me a line. The State Tax Show will be back next Monday. Until then, have a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.